Retriever. Today, you have reached Season 3, Episode 19 of the Leftover Pieces Suicide Loss Conversations podcast, and I'm Melissa, your host. Today, you have found one of my Down the Rabbit Hole episodes, which are short solo episodes in which I just talk about parts of my journey or share knowledge that I feel like I have acquired in the last five and a half plus years since losing my son to suicide that may in some way help you as you navigate this new world that you're living in. But before I dive down the rabbit hole today, I just want to share or ask a few things. First, if you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, or you have a recommendation of somebody you'd like to hear and you'd like me to see if they would be on the podcast, please reach out and let me know. I'm starting to look for season four guests at this point. Season four is set to launch on August 7th of this year. So I know it seems like a long ways away, but it's really going to be here very quickly. And I do take the month of July off from the podcast. There will be some content released during that month, but I take the month off of recording and putting out brand new episodes just for that month of the year. And so the new launch for the next season will be August 7th. So please do let me know if you have any suggestions, would be interested yourself or know of someone you would like me to um, have a conversation with or a topic you'd like me to discuss here on Down the Rabbit Hole. Also, um, I want to ask you as a big favor, if you haven't already, follow, rate, and review the podcast simply to be able to help others find the podcast and to find the leftover pieces so that they can connect in ways that they need to to help them. It not only helps the algorithm when they're searching, but it also eventually will help um, within the different platforms so that they might actually promote the podcast themselves. If you have rated and reviewed the podcast, thank you so much. When I read these reviews, I feel so very grateful. The last thing I want to be sure that you know, if you don't already, is that there is a Leftover Pieces website. It's very easy to find. It's just theleftoverpieces.com. And on there, you're going to find a lot of free resources. You'll also find links to sign up for the parent and mom Zoom support groups that I currently hold um, every Monday and several other times throughout the month. So without any further announcements, I will dive into the topic as I've decided for today, which is kind of the idea of can I still get knocked down by my grief at this point in things. So at the point of my recording this, I am just at five years and nine months. August 7th will be the six-year anniversary of losing my amazing son, Alex, to suicide. So a lot of people especially if you're in the early days, weeks, months, or even the first several years, I know, because I know I did, that you're wondering if you ever get to a certain point that you're no longer able to get knocked down or knocked off your center, as I like to call it, by this loss or this grief. 
And I have a couple of answers to that, but I'll go about it in the best way I know how, which is I'm going to kind of address the first three years like I tend to do with a lot of things, but I'm going to address when it happens, how is it the same as it was in the early days, and how is it different? Because yes, the answer is you absolutely can, or at least in my experience as I know it to date, which again is not even quite six years in, the answer for me is that yes, I absolutely can still get knocked off my center and in many ways feel like I'm back to a place of much earlier grief than I actually am. And the reason I decided to talk about this a little bit today is because I'm kind of coming out of one of those periods right now. Well, that's not fair. I am. I'm not kind of coming out of it. I am coming out of one of those periods right now where for the last three weeks, probably, maybe give or take a little bit, I had gotten knocked down into one of those pits because of some things that are going on um, surrounding the death of Alex. And it, it forced me back into a lot of the things that occurred in the earlier days. And then I kind of, before I knew it, found myself back into a lot of the things that have become oh more familiar to me when I know that I'm struggling a bit. So to answer, can you get knocked all the way back down? And is it always going to be this bad and those types of things is to go a little bit into how I talk about my first several years of surviving my son's death. I kind of always refer to that first year as the year of survival, the year that we live in shock and kind of a protective fog And don't get me wrong, we're not protected. We know that we've lost our child. We know that we've lost our loved one, our brother, our sister, our spouse. I know that, but we are also very protected, thankfully, by the shock of what's happened in this fog that kind of exists around you. And so what I would say for me is I'm not sure there's really, thankfully, any way to ever go back to that first year. But I do find that I can get slingshotted back to the period when I wasn't sure that there was hope. And so I can get back to that hopeless feeling. So how is that the same as what I experienced in the early days? Well, when it happens to me, I find that I start to experience a lot of the same symptoms that I would have had back in that second and third year, which is my sleep really suffers. That means the dreams either are really bad or worse or absent altogether. My focus will be very off. I have trouble concentrating. I have trouble remembering. Um, I can be very moody. And yes, I'm describing what my last three weeks have been like. I also have sat on the edge, what I call sitting on the edge or the verge a lot, where the slightest thing could cause me to cry could cause me to break down or feel like my anxiety level is going to going to rise. I have a couple of times felt on the verge of an anxiety attack. And I don't generally have those as often. Well, I don't. Um, 
But when I'm back in a period like I have been, I kind of am living back there and it feels like I'm there all over again. I even feel sad all the way to my bones when I'm in one of these places. I know if you're listening, you know what that feels like. So let's talk about how it's different. Well, for me, the biggest difference is I now believe, like I believe because I know that I can get back up. And that's a huge difference because in the early days, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get up. I hadn't found hope yet, and I sure hadn't entered into healing. I was just searching, and I was lost. And I wasn't sure I believed I was going to be okay, let alone would I ever be able to get back up and actually live again. And by get back up, I hope you know I mean metaphorically. I didn't just lay in bed for years. I was functioning as a shell of a human being, but I was functioning. And now I mean... I can get back up and I can be vibrant and full of life and confident and productive as to where I've kind of been existing back in a place of survival, back into the place of of, of not being a lot of those things. Um, another difference is I have that big toolbox to draw on. So not only do I believe I can get back up, but I'm able to to pull from this toolbox that has I've spent the last over five and a half years assembling that gives me all of these things to help put me back on track toward that more productive life and that me that I've come to know still exists again. I can use those tools and I have them because I've loaded up my toolbox with them and it really makes a difference. I can quickly realize that I need to spend some time meditating or I can quickly realize that I haven't been running my diffusers for days and I need to look at what scents I'm putting in there that will really help me maybe focus or calm down or those things better. I can journal more. I can um call a friend. There's a lot of things that are in that toolbox that I didn't even know I needed in the early days. And um, I have sound meditations. I do. I have crystal gritting that often helps me. I can sit and work with an Oracle card deck that maybe is more geared towards what I'm struggling with and will help me focus. So lots of things in that toolbox. Also, the last thing I feel like I have there is that I've established a support network of other mom survivor friends that I have a place to go and to call on and say, I'm really struggling right now and I could really use a friend to listen or I could just really use someone to talk to right now and we may or may not even talk about what I'm struggling with, but just the bond that is shared with another, for me, mother, but for you, it might be, it would be whatever someone that understood the loss that you have. And these connections that we have with other grieving souls that understand our pain and our trauma and our loss is so profound because of the safety that exists in it. Even if we're not talking about our loss, the fact that they understand the things that are involved in going through a life 
of a griever, a li- the life of someone who's experienced this amount of loss and trauma, just the fact that they know that makes you feel safer and therefore makes the time that you spend talking with them feel more healing. So as I think about trying to wrap this all up and put some sort of a neat bow on it um, to be sure that it all kind of comes full circle, one of the things that I was thinking about when I was putting together some thoughts and notes to be able to do this episode was the, see, I'm still struggling with the words to put with it. Words, words are so hard, right? Um, I don't want to call it a parallel because I'm not going to directly compare, say, somebody's um, addiction with a traumatic loss. But what I will compare is that healing or coping skills that we develop to deal with ongoing difficulties that we experience as a human can often be somewhat parallel. So just like somebody who has recovered from um, an addiction and has living a life of recovery, I think they would often say that there are times that it's easier than others, but on some level they will always be working through and working the steps of that recovery. And I feel like that healing and recovering, if you will, on some level from the loss of our loved one by suicide is, is like that. There are some parallels because there's times we're going to have to work the steps or the tools in order to get back to a healthier place a little more actively than others, you know, so there's times that the tide is out and then there's times that the storm rolls in and we're dealing with it a lot more actively and we're having to be more proactive and we're having to kind of go back to some of the basics. So again, I don't want to draw any direct comparisons because I sure don't want anybody to think that I'm directly comparing these two things on either end. I don't want either either side to think that. I just think that we see a lot of parallels sometimes when you're talking about our human condition and the condition of struggling and trying to survive something that's extremely difficult. So what I, what I would say is that right now I've been in a period of getting back to working through the steps. And so I want to kind of, I know I talked about some of my tools earlier and I've talked about them before. I even have a series of three at the beginning of this season where I talk about the different um, tools that I've used to help me heal. And so that's what, you know, you can go back and listen to those episodes if you want. But I'll talk about some resources and I'll, I'll put these in the show notes here. Obviously, I've talked about when, you know, when you go back to these places of struggling more, and usually it's going to be around birthdays or anniversaries um, of the death or an event that may cause you to be more activated and you find yourself kind of pulled back into your grief a little bit more profoundly. So when those times happen, some of the resources that I would recommend is obviously I've talked about phoning a friend and I say that in air quotes, but I mean it seriously. 
Um, that may be when, if you haven't attended a support group for a while, it's good to go back and visit your support group and be with some of those support people again. Many of us find that support groups are ongoing in this journey. And some for some people even take the place of or work right alongside their therapy or counseling. And so if you're still involved in your support group, maybe just be more vocal about the, the current struggles you're going through. I think journaling, picking your journal back up, or even starting a new journal, a journal that, you know, I know I have a friend who has three or four different journals that they use on a regular basis. One of them is kind of a daily journal. One of them is all the bad things journal. So when they are having bad times, bad days, they can kind of put it in that journal and it's cathartic for them to be able to get it out and put it in that place. They have a happy times journal. And then I don't remember what their fourth journal was, but they, I know they have four active journals they use. So those are, that's a kind of a tool that you can use. And then, you know, obviously, I think listening to audiobooks or podcasts can be helpful. So if you found yourself either not listening or in a pattern of listening to things that are contributing to how you're feeling, look for something that's more uplifting or more entertaining. Or I tend to go to things that feel more healing, like I might go listen to one of Shelby Forsythia's, um, some of her coming back episodes from the first three years that she recorded coming back. She also has a wonderful podcast now called Grief Seeds. And I love to listen to Shelby's voice um, and just the advice that she imparts about the grief journey. I find um, the Good Morning podcast to be a really nice one to listen to as well. I might reread or take back out Laura Lynn Jackson's book called Signs and help me tune back into getting more signs from Alex, because I will tell you that oftentimes when people are going through a hard time, they feel extremely frustrated that they don't feel like their loved one is around them. And they feel like I'm sad. Why, why do I not feel his or her presence right now? And what I will tell you and that's why I suggest going back to a book like Laura Lynn, Signs, Laura Lynn Jackson's Signs is it will remind you that we need to vibrate at a higher frequency in order to be more in touch with our loved ones. So it, it will really help you kind of get back into that mindset to be able to connect and being able to connect with them then helps raise our, vibra our vibrations and helps us then start to function better. So that's circular. And I often will do things like, watch my favorite movies or TV shows. And I have two, two sides to that, that I would recommend. Sometimes I just won't go to watching things that maybe are entertaining that are just like my favorite movies that just make me laugh and I enjoy. Um, or I might go to something that is actually almost elicits that crying, right. That makes you feel where your heart is because Sometimes the thing that we can do that helps the most is to allow ourselves to just cry, to allow ourselves to feel the sadness, to move through it and to take it in and let it be there while it's there. 
And sometimes I find it extremely cathartic to, to watch a movie like, for me, Nights in Rodanthe always makes me cry. It tugs at my heart. Um, I love the movie Under the Tuscan Sun for its sadness as well as its uplifting um, measure. If I just want to be entertained, I usually put in something like Chef. Um, and then there's movies like The Rabbit Hole. I think it's just called Rabbit Hole. Um, or The Starling. Um, Rabbit Hole had Nicole Kidman in it. The Starling has Melissa McCarthy in it. Those are both movies about people dealing with the loss of a child. So those movies may or may not be good for you at a certain time in your grief. I find that they help when I do want to feel the sadness, but I also want to feel the hope. And um, I also enjoy when we talk about signs, I've enjoyed watching the series Surviving Death several times because it gives me a lot of things to really think about. So I know I've kind of thrown a lot in here and I want to be able to wrap it up by saying the answer is yes and no, that I can still get knocked down. But the no is that it's not the same as it used to be. While some of the feelings are very much the same, my ability to um, come back, to be more springy, more bouncy, if you will, is much better as the years go on. That in some ways the edges are softer, my resiliency is better, and my confidence that I can be okay again is absolutely better. So it's my wish that that gives you some hope. If you're earlier, or if you are having a time where you feel like you are grieving a little harder again and wondering if it's just futile, it's not. Because while I will never lie to you and tell you that the storms are going to leave forever and will never return, because they will. There will be more storms. There will be more rain and clouds and days that don't seem so bright. But at the risk of sounding almost corny, I will tell you that that means there's always a chance for a rainbow on the other side of that storm. There's always a chance for bright sunny days and joy and happiness to find its way back in. So as we end today, I will remind you once again to follow, rate, and review the podcast. Please always feel like you can reach out and let me know what you want to hear about, how I can help you, and just know that you can reach me at melissa at theleftoverpieces.com or message me on Instagram at theleftoverpieces. And again, you can find the links to sign up for the parent and mom Zoom support groups through my website. So until next episode, fellow griever, talk soon. Mm-hmm.